Ecclesiastes 12 and 1, remember now. Somebody say now. That means right now. Thy creator in the days of thy youth. While the evil days come not, nor the years draw nigh, when thou shalt say, I have no pleasure in them. I don't want to depress you this morning, but we're going to walk through the scripture here. And, and this is what Solomon said. There can be a day that comes in the sage and aged years where there's a diminishing of pleasure. And he lays this out for us. While the sun or the light or the moon or the stars be not darkened, nor the clouds return after the rain, and the day when the keepers of the house shall tremble, and the strong men shall bow themselves, and the grinders cease because they are few, and those that look out the windows be darkened. You say, what's he talking about? We're going to talk about it a little bit today. And the doors shall be shut in the streets when the sound of the grinding is low, and he shall rise up at the voice of the bird. Anybody know what Solomon's talking about? Well, if you don't, you're going to. And all the daughters of music shall be brought low, and when they shall be afraid of that which is high, and fear shall be in the way, and the almond tree shall flourish, and the grasshopper shall be a burden, and desire shall fail, because man goeth to his long home, and the mourners go about the streets. Or ever the silver cord be loosed, or the golden bowl be broken, or the pitcher be broken at the fountain, or the wheel broken at the cistern. Then shall the dust return to the earth as it was, and the spirit shall return unto God who gave it. And he concludes his beautiful, powerful, mighty writing of Ecclesiastes with these two final thoughts, these two final verses. 13. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Summary, please. Bottom line it, please. Would you just give me the bottom line? You've given us all this wisdom, Solomon. Solomon, what's your bottom line? The conclusion of the whole matter, fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. Remember now thy creator in the days of thy youth, says Solomon. And then he says, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments. We're going to conclude the Ecclesiastes series, and this is, we're going to wrap it up, hopefully with the Lord's help and God's anointing. We're going to put a great big bow on this message series, and we're going to end the way Solomon ended, with Solomon's message, final message to youth. Solomon's final message to youth. Can you lift your voice together with me today and can we pray that the Lord would bless his word to our hearts, everybody together? Let's ask God to bless his word to our hearts today. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Yes, Jesus. Anointing of the Holy Ghost, presence of God, power of God, word of God, clarity, anointing, blessing. In the name of Jesus, settle in and Lord, after that wonderful touch of the spirit, May the word, the seed, find a place of growth today. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said amen. amen. A message to you, Solomon's final message to youth. And so I feel compelled to follow the tempo of Scripture and the rhythm of Scripture here today. We've spent six consecutive weeks talking about Ecclesiastes. I think there's some powerful truths that we found out of Ecclesiastes. Amen. We thank God for what has been taught to us out of Ecclesiastes, the truths of Ecclesiastes that we can build our lives upon. 
It is interesting that as Solomon wraps up his final thoughts, the wisest man that ever lived outside of Jesus, that has given us the gift of this book as well as the book of Proverbs, these two wonderful gifts that have lived on beyond his own lifetime that we have partook of and we have enjoyed. I find it interesting that Solomon ends, he ends his, his, his dynamic and beautiful words of instruction his very final words that he uses, Solomon takes up real estate in the scripture in taking the time to address his final and last message of all the people in the world that he would address that message to. Who is it that Solomon makes the determination and the choice to address? His final and last message that he addresses, he chooses to take, the wise man wisely chooses to take the biblical real estate up in the book of Ecclesiastes to make sure that young people know that they are vital, to make sure that young people know that they are important. He wants young people to know as he wraps up his anointed treatise, he wants young people to know that they matter to God, that they matter to the work of God, and they matter to a nation. Oh man, I feel the Holy Ghost here today. The youth of a nation matter. I'll, I'll just preach very broadly this morning to say that the youth of America matter the youth of minnesota matter the youth of grand rapids matter the youth of itasca county matter and furthermore we who are wise in the house of god that are god's children say that the youth of river of life matter clap your hands and put them together for the lord the youth of a nation they matter we want this morning to know we want austin to know that austin matters we want tristan to know that he matters we want christopher to know that he matters we want every one of our young people to know that they matter they matter to us as a church don't they but i also want them to know they don't just matter to us as a church but that they matter to god almighty God cares about every young person. And God sees intrinsically within the heart of every young person, not only Ram the yesterday, not only the now, but God sees within the heart of every young person a blessed, anointed, bountiful, and powerful future that is yet to come. And the potentiality that is within every young person, God wants them to know, wow, they are yet young, that their life matters to the Lord. Oh, hallelujah. Not that one young person would waste their life on drugs and alcohol. Not that one young person would waste their lives on unimportant things. We want Anna to know that Anna matters to God. I should say plural, Anna and Anna. With Natalia in the middle. Amen. Every one of our young people, they matter to God. And I would just say this, that while you're young, you may, not, you may not just realize this, because a lot of times we don't think about it when we're young, but when we're young, we are building the future version of ourselves. 
You look at right now and right here and you're like, oh, big deal. I'm just in school. I'm just in junior high. I'm just in high school. I'm just, yeah, I'm just doing life. I'm just doing it. It doesn't matter. And, and what I do doesn't matter. But you may not realize that right now, presently, young people, you are building the future version of what you are going to become based on what you are doing today. The future you is a result of the present you and what you're doing with your present life. Amen. So as a church, we make a decision that we don't talk down to Generation Z. We, we make a decision as a church that we are not going to castigate the millennials. You know, the millennials, uh, they don't know how to work. Uh, the millennials, they don't have work ethic. You can't hire. No, we have made a decision that we are not talking down to millennials because Jesus loves millennials. Oh, they don't know how to do this, sir. They don't know how to do that. Can I just say here on this Sunday morning that for every bad example that's spilled and spread, we are going to find a godly example of a godly young person that's done right, live right. The Lord is blessed to highlight and to thank God for. Amen. And we pray that River of Life would be just that kind of a church. River of Life recognizes the value of this present generation. Back in not just the future, but the right now. We, we, we recognize the beauty and the value and the potential of this present generation. Now we recognize, sadly, as many adults in this place, and as we join the company of the old people, we recognize that we cannot shield our children from everything. And... Uh, Man, I'd like to get into this for a while, but I'm just, I'm not going to do it. But in all the evil and the corruption and all the problems in our society, how much that we want to shield our children from all of this pain. And we hope that they don't experience that pain. We can't shield them maybe from the pain of this world. But I believe that what we can do is that somehow with God's help, we can inspire and we can train and we can give the tools and we can give the confidence and we can give the belief to our young people. And as a church, we can rise to our feet and say, we are behind you, young people. We're not going to allow you just to be thrown to the wolves. We believe in you. We believe in God's anointing that is in you and if you've got the Holy Ghost you've got the same Holy Ghost that the 90 year old man or woman has if you were baptized in Jesus name and have Jesus name on your life you got the same Jesus at 10 years old that the 60 year old has and we are here to rise to the occasion along with Solomon and say that the youth of this generation they matter to God and if they matter to God they matter to us Jesus' name, Jesus' name. And our prayer is that they would graduate from our Sunday school. Where's Mike Tribbett at? He's in Sunday school. I thought he'd be in here with us. Somebody had to grab him by the ear and get him in here. I thought he was going to be here with us. Amen. May they graduate from our Sunday school with the knowledge of the word of God and apostolic doctrine. Come on now, somebody. We're, we're not here to just entertain the kid. They're just not on the other side of that wall just being entertained with fun little songs. And they're going to do that in Sunday school. It's not fun and Jesus are not incompatible one with the other. I mean, we can have fun, but the priority is not fun. The priority is that our kids would graduate from Sunday school walking with God and having a knowledge of the word of God in their lives. That's our goal. That's our passion. That's our purpose. 
that when we graduate them at 18 years of age of out of our youth group, uh, that they would not be spiritually and doctrinally ignorant, but they would graduate from our, our youth group uh, with a knowledge of the word of God, with the tools in hand necessary and needed to be able to build a life for God and do a work for the Lord. I'm preaching here this morning along with Solomon that the youth of this nation, they matter, that the youth of our church matter, that how they live and what they do and them embracing a vision for their beautiful, bountiful future, it matters. And furthermore, I would go this far to say that if there is going to be a revival in our future, there's got to be a revival in our youth, in the present, the right here, in the right now, there's got to be a revival in our youth. And our young people, we recognize their value. And so Generation Z, we love you. We are pulling for you. We are standing behind you. We rise this morning to give our young people a hand of support. You realize this morning that the devil is after the youth of our generation? We don't talk about it a whole lot, but we're gonna spend a little time talking about it this morning. The devil is after the youth of this generation. If you don't believe me, just pick up a newspaper. If you don't believe me, dare you to just go onto social media and see some of the mess. It's just the truth that facing unprecedented perversion like we've never known. And again, all the old people said amen. A lot of this stuff wasn't even around when, when we were kids. When we were kids, the things that we were having to navigate were much maybe simpler and, and not the same as what the youth are having to navigate today. They're navigating unprecedented perversion. They are navigating immoral indoctrination. Oh, yes, they are. And uh, I'm not here to just scream at the darkness, but I am here to identify the darkness, the perversion, and the indoctrination. The spiritual emptiness that is facing this present generation. I'll name transgenderism and homosexuality and a swerving educational system, a dismantling and a redefinition of the nuclear family and what the family really is, technological overload. So what are you saying? I'm saying all these things that the youth of this generation are facing, how much more do they need the support of a church that's on its knees and standing on its feet in support, praying, saying we are praying for you, youth of this generation. We are not only praying for you, but we're going to lay our hands on your life. Amen. That there would be direction in your life. That you're not going to live pointless lives going nowhere. But young people, God has his hands on you. And young people, God has a purpose for you. And young people, God wants to launch you into this world with destiny and with purpose. God help us. And God, may God help our young people. Every generation has a changing of the guard. And it's a trite, maybe old statement, but I think it's very relevant to where we are today. And that is that truth is only one generation from extinction. Judges Chronicles such times, Judges chapter 2 and verse 8 says, Joshua the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died being 110 years old. He's 110, he's old, he's passed off the scene. The Bible says they buried him in the border of the inheritance of timnath Harris in the Mount of Ephraim and on the north side of the hill Gash. And verse 10 is what uh, surprises me when I read it. 
And all that generation were gathered unto their fathers. So Joshua, the progressive and aggressive generation that took the promised land, that whole entire generation passes off the scene. They were gathered unto their fathers. And the Bible says this. Listen to the testimony of scriptures. It says there arose another generation after them. The previous generation, can you say with me? They had it. Previous generation, they had it. Aggressive, promise-filled, moving forward in the will of God. And the Bible says another generation rose up after the generation that had it. And the Bible says this generation that rose up, they knew not the Lord, nor yet the works which he had done for Israel. And then 11 says the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and served Balaam. So Joshua was that next generation leader that brought them into the promised land. He served and he followed the great Moses. He took them into the promised land. It was a time of conquest. It was a time of amazing times when the Lord showed himself to the people in miracle signs and wonders. He was a progressive leader. He was the leader of his times. But just like every generation that comes, it also it comes to go. It comes to leave, and following that generation, another generation comes up. And the sad testimony of Scripture was that the generation that came up after this progressive, aggressive, anointed generation was another generation that two things says, number one, they knew not the Lord, and number two, it says they didn't know the works that he had done for Israel. In other words, there was a coming generation that they had no relationship with God for themselves. Not only that, they didn't know the miracles. They had no present recollection of God's miracle hand at work in the right now. There are two things that we've got to have in this church, and I'm, I'm, I'm preaching to the choir here today because God's witness has been in this house already on this Sunday morning. But two things that have got to happen to every succeeding generation, that every generation that comes up has got to know the God of their fathers, the God of the preceding generation. Every new generation has got to have what the old generation had. Oh, hallelujah. They've got to know him. That new generation, you got to have a relationship with him. And they've also got to know the works that he had done for Israel. There's got to be a repetition of miracles. There's got to be a miracle for today so that this generation can see the hand of God at work in the right here and the right now. I am so thankful this morning that God has anointed and that God has appointed and that God has positioned us for such a time as this. It's a good time because I'm looking at a youth group that is getting to know the God. God that they serve. Oh, hallelujah. They're getting to know the God that I'm watching it. I watch it in the altars. I watch it in our revivals. I watch it in our youth group, and I thank God for it. But not only that, they are, they are seeing the works that he had done in a present tense. That's why we've got to have miracles in the church right now and not just what God did 20 years ago or 30 years ago or 50 years ago. There needs to be a generation that with their own eyes, uh, they have seen the works of the Lord and what God has done for his people in a present tense way. Oh, praise God. So we are thankful for this up and coming generation. And it's so, so, so important because it went from Moses to Joshua. But for some reason or another, between Joshua and the up-and-coming generation, there was a dropping of the baton. Come on, I want to know how many in the church, come on, elders in the church, how many of us are determined by the grace and by the help of God that this baton is not going to be dropped from this generation to the coming generation? 
Come on, somebody. We're not going to let that happen. We're not going to let the baton not be passed. The miracles that God did for us, God needs to do for this up-and-coming generation. Hallelujah. The knowledge of God that we have given ourselves to, Paul Tribbett, for our lifetimes, now has got to go to our children and our grandchildren and be perpetuated and succeeded unto the next generation. We are determined, and I believe that there's a generation that's equally poised and prepared and readied, that while one generation is there, they're ready to hand it off to a coming generation that's saying, okay, it's my time now. Okay, I want what God did for my grandpa and my mom and my dad. I want God to do that for me in the here and in the now. The elder and the younger. Intergenerational alignment. Intergenerational love. And I thank God for that. We've got that in this church. We've got it in spades. And I thank God for that. And I'm pouring more fuel on the fire today. Thank God that one generation's not looking down its nose at another generation. I thank God that a young generation isn't looking at an older generation saying, oh, they're just out of touch. But there's a connection and there's a mutual love and there's a thanksgiving that goes in both directions uh, so that this baton can be adequately passed to, to the next generation because this generation has got to experience a God-sent, heaven-sent revival from uh, the Lord. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. And Solomon, interestingly and wisely, ends his book communicating his great burden for youth. Oh, that we would not be so focused on the now. That we disregard our solemn duty to love, to lead, to train, inspire, and ultimately to release the upcoming generation. Here was a wise and discerning leader who realized the importance of the next generation. Solomon invested in them. He challenged them. He closed his life treatise in Ecclesiastes with a message that was directed entirely to the youth of his generation. This is why, along with Solomon, I want to close the life code with a direct challenge to the youth of our church and the youth of this generation. Amen. May the youth slide forward in their chair because we need young people that have life truth while they're young. How many of us could stand here this morning as elders and say, man, I wish I knew what they knew when they knew it. How, how many of us elders could stand and say, oh, how I wish when I was 15 years old, I would have been raised in church and not had all the pain and difficulty of life that I had to have. How many could stand and say, oh, if I would have known what I know now, how I could have raised a family then like I could now. Because now knowing what I know, knowing what God's done and knowing on this side of things, JP, right? Isn't it better on this side of things? Now knowing what I know, I would have made this move a long time ago because this is the greatest thing that's ever happened to me. And it's given me guidance and it's given me direction and it's given me ability to be able to train and raise my children in a different way than what I was raised Maybe you were raised by a pack of wolves. 
Maybe you were raised with dysfunction. Maybe you were raised with brokenness. And thank God and his mercy that he brought you in. But we've got a message for our young people. And that message for the young people is that it's better in the church. And it's better to stay in the church than to dabble and to play and to get out there and mess around. And what you don't have, you may be duped and deceived. Don't let the enemy do that. That what you don't have is better than what you already have. Because what you have in God is superior. That's why this church is filled with elders that came out of the world because they found that living for God is better than living for the world. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. And so Solomon, the wise leader that he was, he gave to the up-and-coming generation the challenge. He gave them the challenge of the importance of living for God while you're yet young. I find it amazing, one of the greatest contributions that Solomon made in his, in his entire existence, the greatest contribution that he made. Anybody want to guess what it was? The greatest contribution that Solomon gave to the world. Was it the temple? Temple was a great thing. Was that his greatest contribution? I don't know. I'll tell you what he gave us, though. He gave us Ecclesiastes. And you know what else he gave us? He gave us the book of Proverbs. That's Solomon's gift to the world. The compilation and the bringing together of trite truths for a generation. And so you know the book of Proverbs was not just generally written. The book of Proverbs was written. It was compiled. It was brought together intentionally. And the reason that the book of Proverbs was brought together was Solomon wanted an instruction manual for the youth of a generation. He wanted the the upcoming leaders of a generation. He wanted the upcoming court administrators. He wanted the upcoming leaders of tribes. And he wanted the upcoming leaders, the spiritual leaders. He wanted to give them pieces of advice and information that was going to absolutely transform and revolutionize their lives. So the book of Proverbs was generally and specifically written to young people. Do you realize that? It was written that they might, they might uh, order and organize their lives in a wise way. It was used as a textbook to raise young people and to raise Israel's future leaders. So when we get to Ecclesiastes chapter number 12, it's like a prep course. It's an instruction that is preparing them and speaking to the young people and preparing and readying them so that they can jump into Proverbs now. So that they can now get into the book of Proverbs. And I pray, young people, may God give us this wonderful blessing. That we would pursue a life of godliness and goodness and effectiveness while we're young. To give our lives to God and to the work of God. So here's my warning, young people. Are you ready? Are you ready, young people? Are you ready? You ready? All right. Here's my warning for young people. Here's my warning. Leonard, here's my warning. You will not always be young. (laughs) Natalia, you will not always be young. You're like, what are you talking about? I'm young right now. You ain't always going to be young. You say we're having a really good service until right now. 
But you're young, when you're young, you don't worry about it. You don't care. You're like, ah, I'm young, man. I'm going to be young forever. Right, Rob? I'm going to be young forever, man. But all of a sudden, the process of life happens. The process of life happens. And you know what? It happens to everybody. No one is exempt. No one is exempt. You know, they got this funny little app. I think it's a really stupid one if you really want to know the truth. They got that app. It's an aging app. Some of you did that. I'm telling you right now, I did not do that because I have no interest in even knowing. I don't even, I am living in capital D denial. I have absolutely no desire. And you know, you put your picture in that app and, and you can do the aging thing. And the young people are like, <laughs> and the older people are like, I don't think it's so funny. <laughs> Hair starts growing out of all the wrong places. It's true, my brother. Oh, Jesus, deliver us. Thank God for, you know, technology. <laughs> See me after church, I'll tell you more about it. As you get older, come on, somebody, it ain't all that fun. I mean, it can be fun, but there's aspects of it that aren't real fun. And, uh, so, you know, so when you're young, you say, oh, I've got forever. I've got forever. Can I say here this morning? I'm not here to depress you. I'm just here. I'm, 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 me and Solomon are in good company today. I'm just trying to walk Solomon's pathway. And what are you saying? I'm, sa I'm saying that you're not going to be young forever. You say, well, I have forever. I, I have forever. You know what? You don't always have forever. The truth of the matter is, young people, you blink and you graduate. And you blink and you're married. I don't see that ever happening. Christopher's like, I don't see. What are you talking about, man? Get married. What are you talking about? But you blink, Christopher, and you graduate high school. Christopher's like, I have no idea what you are talking about. But it's true. You're going to blink, Christopher, in a few years. If the Lord tears, you're going to go by, and all of a sudden, you're going to be a graduate. You're going to, have, you're going to flip the tassel to the other side. You're going to begin life as an adult, and you're going to blink, and it's going to happen just like that. Then you're going to blink, and you're going to get married. And then you blink, and you have children. And you blink, those children are driving. And you blink again, they graduate from high school. And you blink again, and those children are driving. And you blink again, your children are getting married. And you blink again, and your Mariah has a mick. And you blink again, and life goes on. And you go, man, it just seemed like just yesterday I was 18 years old. Because just like that, young people, we grow and we age. And that's the way that life is. Just like that, life moves so fast and my warning if I give one to our young people is the warning is this and I'm, I'm saying this because I'm in, I'm in the scripture here this morning that in that period of time it is one of the easiest times to forget God I'm young, and I got this, and I got that, and I got whole oh, life, and, 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 and there's so many allurements, and so many attractions, and so glitz and glitter, and there's this that's calling for you. That's why you need the support of God, and you need the support of a church, and that's why we're here to talk to you, and, and take you serious enough to put you on the front row and talk to you, because there's all kinds of things that are going to be calling for you while you're young to distract you and divert you. Come on, congregation, and, 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 and you know it to be true, and all these things that are there and that's why Solomon says hey young people what, don't forget God while you're young 
Don't forget God while you're young. These are the greatest years to live for the Lord. If you're 13 years old, if you're 18 years old, amen, if you're 24 years old, this is a great time to live for God. This is a great time to live right and to live holy and to please the Lord and to give your life to God's vision for your, this is a great time to give yourself to God right now while you're young, while you've got your life ahead of you, while you've got a future, it's a great time to give yourself to God wholeheartedly and completely. Because it's one of the easiest times to forget God while you're young. This is why Solomon says, remember now thy creator. When? In the days of thy youth. Somebody say now. God bless our young people. Now is the time to dedicate yourself to God. Now is the time to give yourself to the Lord. Now is the time to make sure that God is front and center in your life. Now, everybody say now. Don't deviate. Don't be distracted. Don't get off the beaten path. Come on, listen up. Not every young person has to backslide and experience the world. Oh, yeah. God help me. I want to preach this as hard as I know how to preach it, as strong as I know how to preach it. I thank God for the testimonies of the young people that, that got away from God and got home. And we have those, and that's wonderful, and that's beautiful. And, and, and we, are, we, we are welcoming that. We want it to happen. But I want to say there is a better way to do it, and that is that you don't ever have to get away from God. You don't ever have to drift away from the Lord. You don't have to ride the fence. You don't have to be halfway in. You don't have to say, well, someday when I get old, I'll live for God. He said, remember now thy creator in the days, right now in the here and the now. Now is the time to pray. Now is the time to learn how to fast. Young people, now is the time to learn how to tithe. Now is the time to commit, commit to the Lord and dedicate to God. Now is the time to worship. Now is the time to pray. Now is the time to work an altar. Now is the time to learn the scripture. Now is the time to get doctrine deep into your belly. Now is the time to be a soul winner. Now now is the time to, to pray. Now is the time for ministry. Now is the time to get off the back row. Now is the time to win your first soul. Now is the time to clean out your closet. Now is the time to live for God. Here and now, young people, remember now thy creator in the days of thy youth. You don't have to experience drugs. I think we need to have equally important, come here, Sister Lichtel, pastor's wife. I think we ought to equally, we got to give at least as, a, as much stage time, not just the backslider that comes home, but the saint of God that lived their whole life in the church and never had a wandering eye and said, you know what, this is the best thing that you could ever have. Being raised in church and living for God, this is the best thing that you could have. And I don't need to be deluded and deceived by going into the world and experience the world and its pain. For everyone that comes back, we say thank God, but to everyone that is here we say you don't have to leave to experience the mercy and the goodness and the grace of God 
that's the model that we need to see more of. The model of raised in church, stayed in church. Raised in church, stayed in church. Raised in church, didn't play around. Raised in church, didn't backslide. Raised in church, kept on living this way. Raised in church, they didn't have to pick me up out of the gutter. I didn't have to go through a 12-step program because I screwed my life up. But I stayed in church, and I stayed right, and I stayed holy, and I stayed blessed of God. And the good Lord Almighty has kept me all these years. What a testimony. God kept me in the church. Because the sad truth is, a lot of backsliders never make it home. We celebrate the ones that do. We thank God for the ones that do. But 95% don't. And that's why the safest, best place you can be is to say, I'm going to live for God. Remember now thy creator in the days of thy youth. Let me just put a fine point on this, all right? Watch uh, 12, Ecclesiastes 12. While the sun or the light or the moon or the stars be not darkened, nor the clouds return after the rain, and the keepers of the house shall tremble. It probably refers to the arms. They're talking about real old age when the keepers of the, the house, they begin to tremble. And the strong men, what does it say? The strong men shall bow themselves. Many believe the strong men, Solomon's talking about the legs, those big quadriceps. And, but all of a sudden, the, the strong men, the strong men begin to give way and they bow themselves. And the grinders cease because they are few. The grinders. The grinders start falling out. Because they are few. And though it talks, he talks about those that look out the windows. What is he talking about? Talking about our eyes. And then he talks about the doors on the street. You know, there's a closing of commerce and connections sometimes. And, and rising up at the voice of a bird. Waking up at 4 o'clock in the morning. And the almond tree blossoms. What's he talking about? The almond tree. The almond tree, when it blossoms, it turns a beautiful, beautiful white. <laughs> and the almond tree blossoms and turns a beautiful white. And the hair turns gray and then it turns white. He says, why? Because man is en route to his home, his final home, his final resting place. He's like young people. Someday that's going to be you. There will be a day when you join the Aches and Pains Club. There's a free full-time membership available. And a good portion of your conversation will be sharing your maladies. Hey, Myrtle, how many times did you get up to pee last night? Oh, five times. Can tell it's going to rain. My arthritis is acting up. I bought some new pantyhose to cover them varicose veins. Wow, my back is really aching. Ha! Ah, what'd you say? I didn't hear you. Hey, Gertrude, where'd you put my reading glasses? Oh, there they are. They're right on my head. That's right. I put them right there. I forgot that. Did you try that new vitamin? 
what brand of probiotics do you use? All of a sudden, the whole conversation like totally changes. And what kind of glucosamine do you use? Hey, Orville, speed up a little bit. You're 20 miles underneath the speed limit. Myrtle, how many face creams does a person really need to have? And all the young become old. Music, please. <laughs> the inevitable journey of life leads this natural pathway. And if the coming of the Lord waits, it will happen to all of us. Those that are sitting on the front rows that can't even imagine, it will happen to you. There was a day that Brother Merrick was was your age, Nicholas. There was a day when Dave Ladiff was Andrew's age. Eamon Leonard, your grandpa Bill, there was a day when he was your age. You can't even imagine that, can you? Right, Bill? And it probably doesn't seem like it was all that long ago. And just like that, just a couple years ago, in chapter 12 of Ecclesiastes, in light of his previous observation, he's concluding by contrasting demographics. And he is saying he's contrasting youth with old age. That's what chapter 12 is doing. He's, he's contrasting youth with old age. The beginning of the journey with the end of the journey. Before 7 through 12, he, he talks about what's, what's, what's going to happen. Well, at the beginning of the race, you have so much at your disposal, you can't imagine that that would ever happen. But guess what? Every one of us will walk that eventual walk of life. And Solomon is just speaking to the young generation because he had so much passion and love for the young generation. He gave them Proverbs. But he, he wanted to take them serious enough to say, guys, wisdom says you got to get your head in the game now. And you got to realize that now, remember now your creator. Wow. You can't picture that happening. But just like that, life goes on in life. But oh, somehow, if you can make sure that God is in the big center of your life right now. Oh, what a wonderful God-blessed life you can have if you keep God in the center of your life as a young person. So it's interesting to me, the end of this existential journey that Solomon takes us through the book of Ecclesiastes, end with the 12th chapter, and he summarizes this existential discovery. What is, what is it all about? What is my divine responsibility from God? And he ends his book with these two verses. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments. For this is the whole duty of man. Young people, you want to know what God, God is saying to you? Two things. At this stage of your life, he said the two most important things. Fear God and keep his commandments. Please, God, while you're yet young, Follow the word of God. Take great delight in walking with God and pleasing God. And can I promise you this? That the hand of the Lord will guide your life and help your life and bless your life today in the now in the midst of all of these distractions that are everywhere around you if you will fear God and keep his commandments.
He said, that is the whole duty of man that makes life so simple. I want our music to come as I close. Focus on the final verses. Fear God and keep his commandments. It's interesting, as of late, and I want to throw a picture up on the screen here. His name was Damar Hamlin. Of course, this story has circulated all over. The Buffalo Bills player who uh, just dropped dead on the field. I was pretty amazed by that whole scene. I was amazed by the whole scene because here is this young man, 24-year-old athletic champion in so many ways, 24 years old, and he just arbitrarily drops dead on the field. Bring those pictures up, please. It's interesting to me that when this, this football player drops dead on the field, you have all these other professional football players. These are men at the top of their game. These are millionaires. These are really, for lack of a better word, these, these are the idols of our world. These are the best and the brightest and the greatest. They are the athletes of renown. And when their friend drops dead on the field, what posture did these mighty men take? Go to the next slide. These mighty men, their friend, when their 24-year-old friend drops dead on the field, what do all these other young champions do? They take a posture and they take a position that I would argue this morning is a wise position to take. Isn't it amazing? We don't see this happening typically on a mass scale like this before a game. I guarantee you on Friday night when they were, when they were running the streets with their money and maybe many of them... Uh, fornicating, many of them partying down, many of them doing whatever it is that they were doing with their money. They, they weren't in this position then. But you know what? When your buddy is laying dead on the field, what is the one thing in life that really matters? At the conclusion of everything, at the end of this thing called life, when the last, last breath is being breathed, even these men are wise enough to know that in this moment, there is one thing that you gotta have. And somehow or another, you've got to have an intervention from God. There's a wise position to take and that's a position of prayer. That's a position of humility. That's a position, oh God, my friend is dead. He's only 24 years old. There's, there's only one thing that can make the difference in, in my friend's life. And Lord, somehow or another, he's dead and he's gone right now. And you brought into perfect uh, clarity what life is all about. In that moment, there's only one thing that matters, and that is, where is God in the middle of all this? Can God somehow interject and intervene? And can God somehow make the difference in this situation and wise men find themselves on their knees because there's only one answer in these moments and the only answer is God we need you God we need you to intervene God we need you to do something in our lives here's my question as you stand together with me this morning here's my question and maybe I don't know it's it's just the way that I think and I'm thankful that that happened I'm thankful that those men bowed their knees in pray, prayer. But can I ask you a question? Why in the world not do that before your buddy drops dead on the field? Why wait until your 24-year-old friend is dead and laying on a field? Why wait until then? Why not live that way?
Why not live? Pull that picture back up, put it on the screen. Why not live that way? Would that not be champion though you may be? Would that not be a great way to live your life? Wouldn't that be a great way to live your life that God, I'm looking to you. Yeah, I may be a champion. Yeah, I may have this. I may have ability. I may have money. I may have stuff, but, but God, I need you in my life today. I don't want to wait until the last moment of my life and then throw up a flare prayer and just hope that it all goes well in the end. If that's where it's going to end up, young people, I want to challenge you. Wouldn't it be the wise thing if that's where it's going to end up? Why not live that way? Why not live with the end in mind? Why not have a greater motivation than a Heisman trophy or Super Bowl ring? Why not have the great motivation that I need God in my life? I need God in this situation. I need God to be involved. I need God. I need God. And that's my encouragement for the youth of our church here today. Two things, along with Solomon. Fear God. Keep his commandments. It's the whole duty of man. And what I would say is this. Young people, you have so much better of a life if you live for God. All the way on fire, dedicated, heartfelt, living for the Lord. Because I want you to know something here today, all of our precious young people, you need to take yourself seriously. You need to take yourself seriously because God takes you seriously. He takes you serious enough that he puts an entire chapter of the Bible to challenge you. Remember now your creator in the days of your youth. Live for God in the here and live for God in the now. Amen. I'm going to open these altars here this morning. I want to encourage our young people.